T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. It has already been an entire month of Beers on Us podcast as you are now into episode four with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And uh, we just wanted to, before we get into the podcast today, give a huge thanks to Stormbreaker. Uh, the second location out of St. John's for having us out last week. It was a ton of fun to do the entire podcast out there. And talking with Patrick was awesome the, for both the interview and for Beer of the Week. Doing the the recolch with him I thought was a treat because he's the guy who knows that beer the best out of the three of us. I'm just proud of myself for actually waiting to go out there. So I went there with you. So we actually got the first time first time experience. It was a cool place. I mean, you you heard it in the podcast last week. I mean, I really like what they've done with the place and Patrick actually showed us around into the back area and kind of let us know what the plan is for the brew side it out there so special. and things like that. Um, it's funny like you can go back there and you're like, "Whoa, this is so cool." And I'm like, "Yep." Another back of a building with an empty space and a bunch of trash everywhere. Well, that was the <laughs> first time I've ever been taken into the employee only section uh, of the yes. back of a brewery. I've actually I've actually never taken a brewery tour before, and I know that we had discussed at some point potentially doing the Breakside Trio thing, Mm -hmm. where you do all three in a day and get absolutely destroyed. (laughs) The trifecta. Yeah. Um, So that'll be another chance for me to do that, but that's not something I've ever really done, and to be able to go back there, even though it was undone, like, you know, there were just, Mm -hmm. it was just plans, Mm -hmm. the the idea of a giant space, it was kind of cool to be back there and just to be shown around. Well, I will tell you the reality, not to sidetrack us too much, uh, when it comes to, to brewery tours... Uh, when you've seen one, you've kind of seen them all. It's until you get to places like Full Sail. Um, I've heard New Belgium's facility is insane. Sierra Nevada's is insane. And I have actually heard that the coolest tour you can take in America is Coors in Colorado. Oh, the, in Golden, Colorado? Yeah, go to Golden, and apparently the Coors uh, tour is really awesome. I might be doing it in September. Well, that's pretty cool. And yeah. I just, I think I'd like to do it more just because it kind of gives you a chance to get behind the scenes and uh, just see how how the the dirty stuff is done mm-hmm. too all you see is that the beer coming out of the tap that's all you see <laughs> at least that's all the consumer sees that's not what you see you see it all <laughs> i guess yeah 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 um to be honest it's just giant tanks um it smells like malts and hops and uh yeah unless you got a lot of money most of them aren't very pretty they're kind of just busted <laughs> floors and drains and water and crap everywhere but what's inside the tanks is what's clean and pretty and special didn't you say this it might have been after we recorded an interview or something that you got, you had someone who was nicknamed something buckets because all he had was buckets laying everywhere in the, in the actual back. Yeah. That's a former lead brewer of ours, uh, a will he's now in Austin, Texas, opening up his own dream. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Just sanitation buckets everywhere. And it's easy to make fun of people for that. <laughs> that was his nickname buckets, yeah. Willie buckets, Willie yeah. buckets. And there was a beer right named after that, right? Yeah. It was, uh, it was his alt beer recipe that he created even funny enough. Uh, oh, why tint? is that so funny? <laughs> oh, weird. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's tied to our beer of the week today. I don't uh, know. yeah. You, his, his beer was just called Will's alt. And then, uh, when he moved away, we decided to, uh, honor him and, uh, his sanitation buckets everywhere. 
So, again, if you're coming back to listen, thank you so much for sticking with us. If it's your first time listening, hey, go listen to the first three episodes, too. They're up on iTunes, on Google Play, and on TennyToTheFan.com. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, please subscribe and rate and review and all the good stuff there. And if you can do that on Google Play, uh, go ahead and do that as well. I couldn't find it when I was looking the one time, but I'm sure you can. And uh, find us on Twitter. I'm at MikeLynch27, and Patrick's at PDD085. And we've been tweeting the podcasts out and tagging the breweries in them. And uh, you can kind of get a little bit more from us outside of beer as well on our Twitter feed. Although Patrick's probably just all beer on his Twitter feed. But I'm, I'm, I'm some sports and fun in there as well. Uh, to be honest, my Twitter feed is pretty dormant. <laughs> Dormant minus the podcast. Minus the podcast. So all beer. That, that's kind of all it is. So you can find us there as well. So uh, thanks for listening and thanks for rating and reviewing and uh, all the things that you're doing so far to help support us through the first month of this podcast. And I'm excited to pick our second location. We haven't done it yet for our next takeover, mm-hmm. which will be probably in two or three episodes from now. But um, that was really fun. And yeah. I'm excited to do more of it and kind of refine the way that we do it by timing out when we get the food and the beer so it's not like showing up while we're talking and yeah i felt like that was a little bit weird and definitely got some strange looks from people you know because we're like wearing headsets and we're talking and we're laughing and people are just kind of what is going oh, on over see, there i wasn't facing the people oh, I, was I was facing the yeah. outside so you're just like oh what a beautiful day in st john's and i'm like people are staring at me yeah you get used to it people people will be like why are they talking so loud and i'm in my own headset over here like <laughs> i'm fine i just speak loud in general yeah, that's true. Um, so this week on the podcast, we do not have a guest. but what Sans we, guest. Sans guest. So it's going to be a little bit shorter today, most likely. But we will have our beer of the week, of course. And maybe, just maybe, we just teased what kind of a beer it's going to be. Um, but the topic today is one that I'm fascinated in and one that I think is really important for all beer drinkers. Mm-hmm. A, beer drinkers who love craft beer but want their friends or their significant other to like it as much as they do. And B, if you're just a casual beer drinker and you have your one or two that are your go-tos, maybe a way for you to learn how to explore different beers that are out there as well. The topic today is how to introduce beer, craft beer, to people who don't like it or people who are just pretty meh about beer. I think the most important thing to remember when it comes to this topic is you got to have willing parties. I think that's something that we have to remember that just because just because we like beer, just because beer is such a great, you know, part of society especially in this region of of America of the world, uh not everybody's interested, you know. Billy Bob might still want to sit on his tractor and drink Coors Light and that ain't going to change. So you do have to find people that are willing to learn, willing to try something new, and then you also have to have a willing party that's willing to walk people through it. You know, I know plenty of people that have no interest, zero interest in chatting with somebody that has no idea what they like. That's interesting to me because... It's an arrogance thing. Uh, it it, it why, exists. It's not rampant, but it exists. But why would you be arrogant about that? Because you said it on the podcast le- last <clears throat> week. I'm not saying you. I'm just right. saying generally the people who are like that. You said it on the podcast last week that we all were in that same boat of not liking or knowing craft beer until we decided to try it for the first time. Right, but, so, but think about the guy. Think about the guy that is you know really good at pickup basketball that won't play with the new kid. It's the same kind of thing. Even though he at one point was a new kid, I suppose it's it's an arrogance thing. Like some people just quite frankly are too cool for school. All right, well, and you're going to get that in any industry. That's not just this industry. That's that's anything. Well, for me. It is one of the more fun things that I like to do. Yeah. I like to introduce good beer to people who have not had it. And they may even like craft beer already, but they don't live in the area. And we, right. 
you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the Oregon beer scene and, and how, how good it is and how you can basically go anywhere and get a good pint um, at, at any of the places here. And I, I take pride in bringing my friends out to those places and being like, you have to try this beer or get a sample tray and try a bunch of them, find which mm-hmm. one you like the best, and then dive into that one. Well, I don't, it's, it's just fun for me. I don't think we'd be doing this podcast if we didn't enjoy introducing people to beer. <laughs> Touche. Uh, that is a good point. I mean, in fact, part of my job outside of this is introducing beer to people that don't like beer. So I guess I'll start with this. If you are introducing craft beer to somebody, what style of beer is the best place to start, in your opinion, mm-hmm. to introduce someone to craft beer? Well, for, for me, I mean, most people that are interested in craft beer are have had some experience in beer, correct? I mean, it's safe to say that somebody that is interested in craft beer has probably had, you know, a Bud Light or a Rainier or something down the line. I think you could say almost everybody who's interested in craft beer has had some experience, whether it's small and negative, some experience with beer. And so you you can go that route really easily. You can find, you know, craft interpretations of domestic lagers or... You know, thing like our beer of the week last week, the Total Recolch from Stormbreaker. You know, that's a beer that's quite approachable. Our beer of the week in uh, week one was Dad Beer from Berlick. Another great. Wait, no, I was just talking about that beer. It was New Noise from Berlick. Yeah, but I was. I remember talking about Dad Beer, but that's another one because it's just another craft interpretation of a light lager. A lot of times, what I like to do when I'm talking to people, someone comes in to the pub or the brewery and wants to know, you know, hey, I'm not a big beer drinker, but I'm I'm interested in learning. Um, what would you suggest? I start to kind of ask questions, you know, first of all, you know, you know, if, if you've had any other kind of beer you like, what was that? And if you haven't really had any kind of beer that you like, then you can start asking questions. Do you like sweetness? Do you like fruit? Do you like tartness? Um, do you like rich roasty? Are you a coffee fan? You know, and I think you can go kind of those routes. Cause I think what people enjoy in food you can find things that they enjoy in beer as well because it's all because beer has become so flavorful and so um, complex in flavors that food is something that we all eat. And even if you only eat cheeseburgers, um, I'm mm. going to try to find you a try to find you a beer that you'll like. Cheeseburgers. I know. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> I just ate like a yogurt and an apple, and you say cheeseburger, and I'm yeah. I I'm very upset with my decisions. I, I haven't eaten anything, so. Um, It's funny because I would agree with that. It's just that my palate is so different, as I've already explained on the podcast before, Mm -hmm. with how I like malts that much more than hops, that I almost always, if someone is new, will be like, hey, let me give you a porter first, because I assume you like chocolate flavors, correct? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, yeah, I love chocolate. And I'm like, and what do you not like about beer? And they're like, well, it's usually really bitter. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so you're not a big fan of the hop flavor yet. Yeah. So here, try this dark beer. Try this porter. Um, but then also I'll, I'll say, like you're saying, the lagers and the pails and stuff like that where it's easy drinking. It's not super bitter. In some cases, it's sweet. Um, and, and sometimes I'll even do ambers too because those are pretty approachable for especially first-time beer drinkers. But as a um, malt fan, like as you as a yeah. malt fan, what do you think it is about the malt that you enjoy? Like, I think is it, it the sweetness? I think it's the sweetness, and I think that it feels balanced to me. Because I think that's where I would start is if some, you know, I would say, hey, do you like things, do you like things that are salty? No, not really. I'm more of a sweet guy. Then it's like, oh, ding, 
Now I've got an idea. Right. And it's that just that little question that you ask that that can get you into somebody. Well, so that that's kind of what I do just because if it's my own experience. And that's the difference between me mm-hmm. as just a drinker versus you who works in the industry and wants to get people to come back multiple times. Right. Because they like the beer that much. If I introduce a beer to my friend and he's like, yeah, I don't like it. I'm like, ah, sorry. It's just, it was just my favorite beer first when I first came here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I let them go ahead and try the other stuff or we talk to the, to the server and say, hey, you know, like, what would you suggest for someone who likes these flavors? But I do think generally staying away from the hops initially, the heavy hops, mm-hmm. is probably the right way to go in my experience. Yeah, most likely. I mean, they come across it. it I think it's more, I don't know if it's more about the bitterness. I do think that there is some validity to that. I think part of it is also that it's very big flavor. You know, it's it's almost, and that might be why I don't drink a ton of dark beer and never started drinking a ton of dark beer because to me the flavor was too big. Now, when you mentioned the chocolate, the coffee aspect of, you know, of darker beers, the caramel aspect, like people, that is definitely more approachable. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the hoppy beers, it's just more of a bolder flavor with that is not being supported by like a coffee or a chocolate or a caramel. And it's not being supported by a flavor that the normal person has had in their everyday life. True. Yeah. You don't find the hop flavor in many other things but beer unless to, unless a brewery is making something with a an IPA aioli or something like that, using it as part of their food. <laughs> right. Um, and even then, I don't know how much of that you're actually tasting. Right, you wouldn't taste very much. It's more much, of like know. an herbal thing. Alcohol gets burned off. Unless you like munch on hemp all day. <laughs> right. So I think that also might be one of the reasons why yeah. I didn't even think about that until you brought that up is nobody's going to say, I like hops, <laughs> if they haven't drank that much beer. Yeah. So you're not going to start in a super hoppy form like an IPA. Um, but that, that kind of leads me to my next part of this topic and, and question is so you, let's say you start with the light beers mm-hmm. you start with a Kolsch or a Pilsner or, or a lager or an amber whatever um, what is in your opinion normally the next route of evolution for that person in drinking craft beer I know it's different for every, everybody yeah. there's different palates but generally from what you've seen from people that you've seen multiple times at the restaurant or anybody that you know that you're friends with what tends to be the route that brings them to kind of exploring the rest of the craft beer world? Well, I think I think it's finding a way, finding a way, especially if you start on the lighter, you know, German traditional or, you know, domestic lager styles, Mexican lagers for that matter. I think the evolution kind of coincides with what I see with a lot of like home brewers. So a lot of home brewers end up start making ambers and reds. And I think when those beers start uh, being introduced to someone that's starting to get into craft beer, I think because they're a little, they're a little more simplistic in terms of the brewing process. That the flavor profile is a little more simplistic. That's why, to be honest with you, I don't see a ton of ambers in this town from craft breweries, and I think it's because people want to be. I don't. I don't mean this in a super negative way. They want to be challenged a little bit more, and I think the American amber is so solidified in what the flavor is, is that it's hard to kind of deviate away from that. But I do think that because that that kind of style is more simplistic, that's going to swing you into that realm, and that's what you were talking about with malts. And then I think some people to get them, then then like the two pinnacle beers, I would say. I mean, three if you want to get into barrel aging, but let's say barrel aging aside. Um, the two 
toughest beers you're going to get on people are sours and hot and IPAs. Um, because some people's palates, like the tartness is just a no. It's just, I can't do it. Like, I don't like sour warheads. You know, when I was a kid, they were my least favorite. I hate them. And so that's going to probably be the hardest, the hardest style to get to them. And then some people just don't like the bitter or the vegetal or the piney flavor you're going to get out of hops and an IPA. So you have to consider that. I think it's just baby steps in terms of complexity of flavor and, and how big the flavor is as well. That's interesting. So for me, that was also my middle step was the amber and the reds. Mm-hmm. I started dark as I've discussed, mm-hmm. but I went, what else has good malt flavor? Because I liked malts. I knew mm-hmm. I liked malts because I like stouts and I like porters. And they're like, well, ambers and reds have good malt flavor. And reds, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure reds also start to introduce the hop mix with the malt flavor. Yeah. I've had a lot of reds that are way more bitter than ambers. And I've had a lot of reds, and I guess maybe they're IRAs versus just being a red ale, uh, India red ale. But to me, that introduced the hop flavor as something that was enjoyable because it was so balanced by the malts that were in the red already. And from that point, I went, oh, I do like hops. Mm-hmm. And that's where I spread to all the other types of beer. And IPA was the last one. And I've, we talked about this in the episode, second yeah. episode. I'm still working my way through IPAs and trying to find ones that I love and drinking it regularly because I, I do like them. But that is a great point for that's a good middle beer because yeah. it allows you to branch off in multiple directions. Yeah, you can, it can, it leaves, it's almost a choose your own adventure at that point because especially, especially in reds and ambers, they still give you good solid flavor, you know, but whether it's a, it's either a step up with a little more complex, with a little more full body than say a lager or, you know, those, those lighter beers, but also a step down in terms of the size of body from a dark beer because i think you're right that people either like dark beer or light beer when they start and that amber red is kind of that middle range because it's either a step up in one area or a step back in an area and both of those are complementary in diversifying your palate like like for me it's funny you mentioned the iras like i kind of picked up hops a little early in, in my journey um so like pale ales were kind of big for me when i was younger uh, but I mean, I've been drinking double mountain beer for over 10 years and I drank that IRA like it was going out of style for years and years. And I think that helped introduce that hot palate to me, which then eventually got to me to where I am today. So with that being a great middle step, why do you think it is that more people don't start with the ambers and reds? Because we, we talked about starting with lights, Kolsch's on your end, and maybe introducing some darks so you don't have any hop flavor at all initially mm-hmm. or very minimal. And we kind of get to this point where we say, hey, ambers and, and reds, the great pushing off point where you can spread your tentacles everywhere else. Why don't we just start there so that they can start and choose from their own and go in a circle instead of being a tree, if you will. That makes no sense. I'm starting. No, at the I know roots, what you're saying. I know what then, you're saying. And then opening up. <laughs> uh, be- a tree, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> because, because when you put a red or an amber in front of somebody that is not a craft beer drinker, the aesthetics is alarming. That is because it's a red beer. That that's that's craft beer. Like when someone sees that, they're like, oh god, oh god, this is like no, this this isn't yellow. I'm not. I I can't do this. Run away. Ah. You know, and I think that's kind of why, I don't know, because the dark beer conversation then doesn't work either in that. 
Uh, but I think that's but why. I think you might be right in that. It, there, most it, it people is part start, aesthetic. But most people don't start dark. Most people who are trying craft beer don't. Most people don't. No. I just think it's a good flavor to start with because it's not bitter. There's a lot of sweet flavors that you already like here if you're a dessert fan and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, one of my good buddies, when he first came up here, he, you know, he liked beer, but he wasn't into it. And he he jumped right into the dark beers with me. Same, same, same type of thing. He was like, these are awesome. These are my favorite kind of beers. So mm-hmm. it, maybe it's just my own personal little dark beer bubble that I'm encompassing more people in. No. Hopefully you soon as well. No, I, um, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think there's also, you know, cultural references to this. Like, what do you like to do in your free time? You know, things that are associated with that. You know, if you're somebody that is super outdoorsy, you probably drink a ton of water. Therefore, lighter, less hoppier beers might be more inclined to you. If you're somebody that drinks a lot of, like, soda, like soda pop, like, you might be more inclined to drinking something more syrupy. And that's kind of what I mean in the sense of how your food and what you digest that's not beer can have an impact on where you want to go with beer. It is interesting. Though, that it's you- like a weird, deep psychological thing that you wouldn't... I think we're trying to talk about this a little more surfacey, and I'm like, oh, no, man. It's way up in the brain. Well, that's interesting because I didn't think about that at all. Mm-hmm. And you, you bringing up the color of the beer being important blows my mind a little bit yeah. because for me, when I drank the cheap beer in college, I didn't even look at it. It was in a can, right? Right. You just drink it, you see the outside of the can, that's all you see, right? Um, occasionally you get a keg, and but usually you're not getting a keg of the crappy beer, usually. Sometimes you are, if it's a, like a frat party that you went to or something. But then it's so dark, you're not even looking, it's just you're just drinking. Right. So for me, color was never even a thought, because... I never looked at the color of beer originally. But I think you always understood that the color of beer was yellow. Right. And when things aren't what they seem, people get alarmed. That is true. That is true. Like if if you, to use a food example, going to go another tree root in my mind here. <laughs> um, like guacamole, if it gets oxidized on the top, it turns brown. Yep. That's not bad for you. Nope. But you don't want to eat it because it's not green anymore. Yep. It's Same just, with lettuce. Like when lettuce oxidizes, you get a little red, red, get a little red tint in it. And it's like, oh no, this is bad. It's like, no, eat it now. Yeah. And you're, you're fine. Yeah. Don't let it get <clears> further, but you can yeah, have it now. But you can eat it now. Um, so I guess to, to continue moving forward with this, and this is going to be, and you can obviously bring in beers from outside this area, but for me, this will be pretty heavy in this area. What are some examples of great starter beers, great entry level beers in your opinion that you've seen work for people mm-hmm. and that you've drank yourself as entry-level beers. What are some of the examples of that? Um, well, the stuff that I've seen, we were mentioning this as we were prepping for this podcast. Um, the first and foremost, the winner of all introductory craft beers is the Widmer Hefeweizen, without a doubt. They've been making it since the 80s. Um, it is extremely soft. It's got great juice appeal to it. They also you know, hyped it up by throwing the lemon in it, which made... It even more citrusy and made the body seem a little calmer. And it just kind of tasted like you were drinking, I don't know, kind of close to soda almost, you know, something with something with some sort of body, not syrupy like a soda, but almost like a heavily flavored, almost like a San Pellegrino, yeah. which is like a heavily flavored sparkling, sparkling water, water yeah. kind of thing. Not, I mean, it's, it's nowhere near that by any means because, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's actually like fermented in actual beer, but but I think it has so much more of an approachable approachable vibe to it. 
Um, I think Full Sail makes makes a bunch of beer that's extremely approachable, whether it was their Amber, which has been a huge seller, and then their Session Series. Um, their Session Series are just kind of little stubby bottles of domestic lager beers. I was and, always confused by those. I thought it was a separate mm-hmm. brewery because it doesn't even say Full Sail on there. Right. It just says Session. Right. Which, for those who don't know, and maybe some of you out there don't know, I learned this when I started drinking. It's called a Session whatever because you can drink many of them in one session. That's the that's why they're that's named the sessions. Yeah. And I thought, I thought there was like a, a unique reason for it. And it's like, no, no, just the ability to drink a lot in one session. That's why they're called sessions. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's those guys. Um, I'm trying to think. The Alaskan Amber was a big one. I mean, you, you're seeing kind of a trend here. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I would say the big introductory to hops was either a Mirror Pond or a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our beer drinking history in episode one. Um, yeah, like the first the first craft beer I was purchased, the first beer I was purchased on my 21st birthday was by my father, and it was a Mirror Pond. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Now, he looked at me funny like, how do you know what this beer tastes like? But... <laughs> <clears throat> Don't worry about it, pops. Yeah, everything's okay. Yeah, I, I just went, I'm already I'm already ready to drink. I went to Wazoo. What did he think was I, going on? I don't know. So, he should be glad I didn't order a Bush Light. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, obviously the Widmer Hef or Haifa, as they want you to say it, um, Haifa, 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 something Whatever. like that. Uh, that was that's a key. That was one for my wife. Who mm-hmm. that was one of her first beers where she was like, I could drink this all day. Yeah. Um, that was one. Mac and Jack's Amber was one. Oh yeah, I forgot when I was at. Funny story, when I was at uh, Wazoo, <clears throat> I worked in restaurants, and every restaurant in town had Mac and Jack's African Amber on. Now, something that I want to emphasize real quick, not to sidetrack too much, the brewery is called Mac and Jack's. The beer you're drinking is their African Amber. They do make other beers, but I think people have associated them so much with that one beer that that's just what that beer means. So just... Just to make sure we all know, it is their African Amber. Uh, and every restaurant in Pullman had that on tap. And every I, restaurant here has <clears> it on tap. And, it's in so many places. And uh, I ended up working for a restaurant that was brand new, that was opening up. And they wanted to you know, have a good craft beer scene. And they did not want to have Mac and Jack's African Amber on. They were like, every place in town has this on. If people want an Amber, let's find a different Amber and be different. No offense, but it was just trying to, you know, give some variety to the community. That lasted maybe five weeks. And then we put Mac and Jack's African Amber on and it, it sold. sold. Yeah. yeah, like crazy. Yeah. So I also put Maripond from Deschutes and Sierra Nevada's Pale. Just as they're introductory beers that allow you to kind of get into the hoppy flavor a little bit more than maybe you thought you were going to. Mm-hmm. But they're so easy drinking. Yeah. That I put those down. And then two for me being from the East Coast, say what you want. Sam Adams Boston Lager yeah. is a great way to get into craft beer. And Boston Brewing Company was a craft brewery. Now they're so big, I don't really count them anymore. But They're still independently owned. Right. So they're still technically craft beer. They but, are massive. But they're just gigantic. When you're a craft brewery that starts buying other things, yeah, that's crazy. So that's an easy one. It's super easy to get into. It's very similar to a lot of the beers you've already been drinking, just better because mm-hmm. it's craft beer. And then for me, growing up, Yingling, um, I found that it was Pennsylvania, not Delaware. I, I was wrong in the first episode is where they had the American bottling uh, plant for it. Yeah, It's just kind of a, 
it's like a brown ale. It's it's really easy to drink, and I, I could hell, I could even be wrong. I don't know what Yingling is, <laughs> but I liked Yingling a lot growing up because it was different. I, I don't know what Yingling is. It was it was completely <clears throat> different. I'll research it here mid podcast, but I'll tell you exactly what it is. But for me, it was it was so different than all the other beers that I was drinking that I I just instantly went, this is this is better. This yeah. is what I want to drink all the time. Um, it is the oldest operating brewing company in the United States. Holla. Established in 1829. Wow. And then I will look up their beer. 1829? Why is it called Yingling? I don't know. That's strange to me. Oh, well. Another another one, while you're looking that up, that I'll bring up that uh, I definitely, I forgot that I drank so much of this when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, um, when I was younger, uh, a, wink, buddy, wink. a buddy of mine used to drink this all the time, and that was uh, Newcastle. Newcastle Brown Ale. Yes, that's a I, good one. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I totally forgot about that too. Newcastle Brown Ale uh, was a big one that uh, that surfaced around us all the time. And I hate to say it, that maybe some sports marketing worked, but we definitely watched a lot of like European football and there were commercials for Newcastle all the time. And we were like, oh yeah, that's what those guys in London drink. We should try that sometime too. That's a great one. That's yep. another reason why I think dark beer was easy for me when I came here was because I like Newcastle brown ales. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yingling's traditional lager, and it does, it's it's a lager, but it's not a it's not a brown ale. But uh, here's their description on their website: it. famous for their rich, it's rich amber color, medium bodied flavor, and distinct character. It's brewed with roasted caramel malt for a subtle sweetness and a combination of cluster and cascade hops. <laughs> and it's this the caramel malt that yeah. got me. It was yeah. sweet. It was darker in color. And I liked it a lot. Can't say I've ever had one of those. Eh, you might not like it because it's, you know, it's it's not Northwest style beer, but yeah. worth a try if you ever see it around. I mean, there's it might be out here somewhere, but uh, those are good ones for me. Those were really easy drinking ones for me growing up. Growing up, I did it with like you as well. Yeah. When I was a kid. When I was a kid. When I started drinking beer. Mike, when you start not, when you get closer to 35 than 30, um, you start referring to yourself as a kid frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very close. I'm 29. So yeah. <laughs> um, I just made myself sad. Don't worry about it. You're fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I would say to start. I like the Hef. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Adams, Boston Lager, Yingling, Newcastle is a great one that I, I totally forgot about. Mac and Jack's Amber. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the the Alaskan Amber is a good one as well. I drink a lot of Manny's Pale Ale in college. Um, you still get a Manny's every now and then. Yeah, I do like Manny's. Um, I don't I don't even know if I still like it anymore. I don't even know if it's good beer anymore. I just... You drink it out of nostalgia. I've gone to, a, if I, I've, I've gone to so many bars that I've walked in and looked at the tap list and just seen it and then just kind of stared at it and then never really looked at the other ones and they were like... Excuse me, sir. Can I get you something? You're like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll take a Manny's. You know, it's just like you forget. Yeah, like look at it, and I think of all the, all the debauchery and former loves and things like that. And you're just like, ah, oh, Manny's. Ah, mm. uh, yes, the former loves. Give it to me. <laughs> well, I was. Yep, a, that's I, what I would say about a beer. I was a mug club member at uh, mm-hmm. at the Coog. You know, one of the one of the oldest, most famous bars in the state of Washington, two blocks down from Martin Stadium. And uh, I have drank many, many mugs of Manny's. And I think I look at that and I think of having that mug in my hand and getting after it. So for those of you listening right now, feel free to tweet at us your 
first beers that you kind of tasted in the craft brew world and share your adventure, your journey through craft beer with us. Uh, remember, it's at Mike Lynch 27 is for me. Patrick's at PDD 085. You can find us there. Send us what you what you started with, and uh, maybe it'll bring back some memories for us of beers that we forgot here in the podcast, or maybe we'll be like, what on earth is that? And then look it up for ourselves. You learned about Yingling today. I did learn about Yingling today. Uh, Yingling makes more than just that beer, but that, that traditional lager is the one that is the famous one that they're known for out in the in the mid-atlantic region good for them um so yeah shoot us that on on twitter and uh we will enjoy reading your journey through beer remember no guests this week so we're going to jump right in to the beer of the week here on beers on us with mike lynch and patrick harris this week for the beer of the week we are going with yet another unique style week one we did an ipa yep week two we did a crazy bourbon barrel aged stout mexican stout week three we did a kolsch week four we teased it already what are we doing today patrick today we are sticking in germany uh as the kolsch was a german beer but we're going a little different this is the alt beer from occidental um i was kind of inspired to grab this beer a because we had talked about occidental being close to the new Stormbreaker out in St. John's. We had mentioned they were the only other brewery yep, out yep. in St. John's, oh, which, which surprised me. But Royale's out there now too. But for the oh, longest time, okay. it was it, for the longest time it was just Occidental. Uh, but, and these guys, they specialize in in really just making German beer. Uh, I think they make a lot of stuff that's really really great. Um, the Alt beer is my favorite of theirs. They got a little little note on this: the complex malt bill and our take on Dusseldorf's. Signature beer results in a smooth amber brew that's not too short on flavor. The hops give it a spicy, noble aroma and a delicious, well-balanced hop profile. 5.3 ABV. Um, but as Mike is pouring it and as I will pour mine, it does come in in a nice kind of caramelly, ambery color looking to it. Um, I chose this beer because I thought it was a good idea as... Kind of a true craft old school style that could be approachable to a non craft beer drinker. Uh, an alt beer, real quick, is a German style lager. It uh, originates in Dusseldorf, and its big thing is it's a malt forward lager. So, I mean, it is still a lager and a light body. It is still cold fermented. So, it'll be good for me with the malt. Yes, yes. But it does have a little residual sweetness. It's not quite as heavy as, say, a Dunkel, which is another malt forward German lager. Um, it's a little more easy drinking. Uh, and then, basically, what I always say, and you could argue whether I'm right or wrong, I mean it way more in layman's terms than actual comparisons of the styles but if you were to take an alt beer and a dunkel push them together with a little extra sweetness you've got yourself an american amber that that's interesting to me that Mm -hmm. you could just kind of do that with the flavors um and that's just my opinion that's that's kind of what i sell when i talk about alt. i've had alt beers before Mm -hmm. uh i've enjoyed them because as we talked about the color appeals Mm -hmm. to me oh yeah i like the darker colors um and i like dunkels too a lot i've had dunkels before I want to say one of the best uncles I've had was actually a Bowie beer. Oh yeah, I they, think they, they package make, that now. They do. I think yeah, they, they put it in five hundred mils. I think I've I've had that one out there, and then I've had a Dunkel at Zogelhaus, which mm-hmm. is the all German brewery, which is pretty deep southeast near on down Powell um, here in Portland, and uh, it kind of it, it to me it was almost like wait, 
these German beers are also going to have all these flavors I like because I always view German beers as like really light, easy to drink lagers. Yeah. And it's not just that. Right. It kind of, it spreads its wings a little bit into that. So this is really good. I actually don't think I've had this one before. I've actually, to be completely honest with you, I don't think I've ever had an Occidental beer unless I just didn't know about it. Um, I've heard of the name of the brewery before, but it's not something that's ever really kind of jumped out at me as being like, hey, come drink me. I love them. Um, I kind of stumbled upon them when I was living in St. John's, so about five years ago, and somebody told me, oh, yeah, Occidental's a brewery out in St. John's. You got to check it out. It's down under the bridge. And I was like, cool, that's a six-minute walk for me. Sure, it's <laughs> completely downhill all the way. and So all the way back up. Yeah, steeply uphill the way home, but you're drunk, so who cares? And I'm so excited. There's a brewery, and this is five years ago. You know, my palate has... has evolved immensely in the last five years i'd say more so in the last five years than in the 10 years before that uh and i walked down there and i walked in this place and i was like oh this is great and i looked up at the board and i was like i have no idea what kind of beers these are (laughs) i was like i'll take a taster tray and so they gave me a taster tray and i don't remember how many it was but i had a decent amount of of all the beers they had on draft and i went through every single one and i was like oh man these are not beers that I like. Oh, but this no. Alt beer was good. And this, this uh, uh, what was the other one that I had that I liked? The Dunkelweizen. Uh, I enjoyed that one. And the Pilsner, I was like, oh, okay, I'm cool with this. Or maybe it was the Kolsch. I don't remember. But I was kind of like, uh, uh, well, I better get used to these beers. And I went back multiple, multiple times. And I just started trying some seasonal stuff. And my partner and I at the time went down there. And she found some stuff that she really liked. And so I just kind of started drinking more and more. And and I would say these guys are a huge reason that I have such love and passion for German style beers. So I'm trying to taste it now. And honestly, I'm not really getting much of a nose. It's very, very like it it doesn't give you much of that instant smell Mm -hmm. that I've gotten with a lot of the beers that we've we've had. And then the first sip, the front end was kind of like I got the malts right away. I got a little bit of the sweetness, and then it is, this might be the smoothest of the beers that we've had so far going down. Yeah. Once you get the to the middle and to the back end, it is super smooth. I feel like that's what makes me come back to this one. Sometimes it's the back end. Yeah. Sometimes it's even the nose for me with like, oh, this beer smells amazing and it's going to taste as good. The, the smoothness of the middle in this beer is what gets me back to take another sip. I would argue that even though our beer of the week last week was the Kolsch, from Stormbreaker, I would argue this is the lightest beer we've had for Beer of the Week. So even though it has this amber, caramelly color to it, this tint to it, I find this body lighter than their Kolsch. I, yeah, I think I do too. And it's more because the Kolsch has really distinct flavors in it mm-hmm. that even though it was smooth to drink, it's popping as, mm-hmm. you're, as you're finishing your, your, your drink of it, your sip of it. This one, it's, it's so mild. Mm-hmm. I, outside of the sweetness of the malt, I don't know if I find too many other specific flavors in it. The, well, I mean, I think one thing that's important to remember about German lagers is sure that sure all the different ones are kind of different in their own styles, whether it's a Helles, a Kolsch, a, a Pilsner, an Alt, a Dunkel. Most of them are just variations on the region in Germany in which they were created. So they're all, sure, they have all their own little kind of nuances and their own little extra flavor profiles here and there and things like that. You know, like Pilsners are more bready than a Kolsch is a little more sweeter. Um, 
but they're all meant to be light and easy drinking. Like you have to, I think that's the most important thing to remember. And I've said it before, but I want to emphasize it that much is that just because that there is this ambery color body to it does not make it light. Like this is a clean beer to me in the sense that from beginning to end, it just goes, it, it, it goes, it doesn't, it's not super abrasive yet. It's still very flavorful. Yeah. There's almost no abrasion in any sense in mm. my opinion. It's- and, and that is what you call a clean beer. You know, something can have great flavor and have dominant flavors at that much at, at that point, but anything that is non-abrasive yet easy drinking and still have flavor to it that is what i consider a clean beer one thing you pointed out and i kind of glossed over it but i wanted to say it that also what you said about going to occidental multiple times because you wanted to learn to like that beer that is also part of our earlier conversation Mm -hmm. don't be afraid of not liking it right away Mm -hmm. don't be afraid of not even if you think it's okay of not wanting to go back right away but then again, don't be afraid to say, hey, I really wanted to try to get into craft beer and try again. Yeah. Don't be afraid to be like, this wasn't that good. It's not for me. And then be like, well, what if I want it to be for me? Let me go try some other beers. Let me try a different brewery. Let me go back to try this style again because it wasn't the worst thing I had tried there. Sometimes ramming your head against the wall, if you will, is the best way to kind of develop a taste for it. I mean – Remember when you were a young a young person and your mom maybe said, hey, do you want to try a sip of wine or beer? Yeah. And you went, sure, you're drinking it. It's probably good. And you taste it. And you're like, ah, this yeah. is disgusting. So you hated it then. Mm-hmm. But as you learned to appreciate it more, you kind of you rammed your head into the wall and you're like, let me keep trying it and let me find those flavors that maybe are different for me. I was thinking of Brussels sprouts. Okay. And like broccoli and yep. asparagus and like big heavy green veggies that people that stereotypically people as kids don't like. And then it was probably because their parents didn't know how to cook them. <laughs> and then you get older and you go to these restaurants that it's like, oh, Brussels sprouts is an appetizer. Yeah, we'll take two for the six of us at the table. Yeah, we'll get two orders of that. You got bacon you know, on it. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, so that's just one thing is don't be discouraged, mm-hmm. especially if you really care about wanting to to join whoever it is that you're going with in, in liking craft beer and trying craft beer, just keep trying it again. Uh, I, you're, you're totally spot on. I'm, I'm a musician as well in my side life. Um, and you know, I can play multiple instruments and do different things. And in every single one of them, when I tried to play them, I was really awful at it and it was frustrating and I didn't like it. And the only way to get better was practice and you practice and you practice and you practice and you practice on the ones you like and that will eventually get you to where you're going. For me, the reason I kept going to Occidental was I just wanted to like the brewery in my neighborhood. I know that sounds silly, but at that time, I was just like, I like IPAs, and I only like good IPAs, so I don't have to care about what any other brewery's doing. Then it was like, man, but I want a brewery in my neighborhood that people respect, that I want to be a part of. And then what happened is it just turned into bashing my head against the wall and continuing to try their beer and try their beer. And then I'd see, you know, for example, the alt beer from Occidental uh, that I really enjoyed got me to if I was somewhere else and they had an alt and was like, oh, well, I like Occidentals. Let me give that a try. And if it wasn't for Occidental bringing me into German lagers, I wouldn't enjoy Zeugel House. I wouldn't enjoy one of my new favorite breweries in town. That's Wayfinder. Um, Both of those breweries are, you know, German, predominantly German style breweries. and, And I'd be missing out. Um, I mean, even if it were just about being a part of the cool kids in the craft beer scene, I'd be missing out if it wasn't for Occidental uh, being there for me. 
do other alt beers have different flavor profiles than the one we're drinking right now? Or is it because it's a style from a region in Germany, do they all tend to kind of have the same vibe? It's a traditional style. Um, obviously, there are little nuances you can have in the brewing process. I'm sure you can trade out the malts you want, the grains you want, the hop you want um, in, in building and designing this beer. But because it's a traditional style, I would say most of the alts you're going to have are going to be along these same lines. Um, this tends to be one of my favorite alts, as I've said multiple times. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is the goal. I think it's part of like a, a, a respect thing for those that came before us is that when it comes to these traditional styles, you don't see too, and these are like hardcore traditional styles. You don't see too many people, you know, tearing them down and reinventing the wheel on them or getting some crazy adjunct in them. You know, somebody might say, Hey, what if I make this alt beer, but I add a little elderflower to it. You might get something like that, but I don't think anybody's really taking this style and blowing it up and restarting it. Am I wrong in saying that there's a little bit of a breadiness in this one as well? Sure. I get I get something in sure, the middle. That, that's your malts right there. That is well, I, I taste the kind of sweet malts in the beginning, but as I'm going through the sip, I'm already halfway through my glass, by the way. I know you drink faster than I do. Um I'm a slow drinker though. Well, that's fine. That's probably better to be that way. Because I'm a connoisseur. Um, where I felt like it was it was very bready. It was almost like I had a little bit of a sandwich mixed with this beer. Yep. And that's kind of how it tasted as it was going down. Really interesting. So beer of the week this week is Occidentals. I say alt beer. That's wrong. What is it? Oh, I mean, it, alt, alt, beer. Beer, alt beer is fine. What do, you, what do you say? I just say alt beer. Alt beer. Okay. Yeah, well, beer. I'll, I'll follow like, along with you. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just how the Germans, it's, hey. it's not one of those things. I don't mean it to be like. You're the expert. And Stop. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I don't mean it to be like, you know, when you walk into, you know, like a, like a Mexican joint. And they're like, hey, how are you? And you're like, great, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what would you like to have? And it's like, um, can I get a half order of the carne asada? Like, I don't mean to just, like, throw a fat accent in there. I'm just trying to pronounce it the best I can. Well, hey, if it's pronounced correctly, then pronounce it correctly, yeah. right? You can you can find this at a lot of the craft beer stores. It's in Tallboys. Um, you can get it at the brewery, of course. It's in St. John's under the uh, – just down from Cathedral Park under the St. John's Bridge. Uh, you can't miss the can. It's – Probably not technically Tiffany blue, but it looks pretty dang close it's to Tiffany blue. It's got a turquoise Tiffany blue feel um, to it. it uh, I have set this can next to a box of Tiffany, and it looks um, fairly similar. Look at you being purchased only from Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still single, so that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, so Occidental's Alt Beer is our beer of the week this week. Um, so we've done now a Kolsch. An alt beer, a stout, and an IPA is our beer of the week. I get to choose next week's oh, beer of the week. Dang it! Well, don't say dang. I could bring you something that's not a dark beer. You know that. I know you're not bringing a dark beer. I just I'm picky about the beers I like. Well, the beers I want to drink. That's why beer of the week is good for both of us. Because I, I would have never picked this, but I now I now I know that I like it. I suppose. I suppose I'll continue learning my palate. <laughs> that's it for episode four. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We're not 100 percent sure what's coming up on the podcast next week, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Uh, trust us on this so come listen again thursdays 4 p.m every single week we will be dropping this and uh, remember in a couple of weeks we'll be going out again for our next podcast takeover as well if you have any suggestions for us that you want us to go to feel free to shoot shoot us a tweet on twitter at mike lynch 27 is me and patrick's at pdd 085 and don't forget to subscribe rate and review the podcast wherever you have found it thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys next week deuces 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.